scripture reading this morning is taken from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49. We are reading from verses 1 to 13. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I'm honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you a light for the nations, for my salvation may reach, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus, the Lord, thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out, and to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, on all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them will heal them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syrian. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. God bless his holy word. Thank you so much, Lily, for reading God's word. What a privilege to have one of our longest serving missionaries to read God's word for us this morning. As we prepare our hearts to hear from him, let's bow together. Father God, we are grateful not only for your word, but for the men and women who have preserved it until this day. We thank you that it is authority for all aspects of our life, for what we believe and for the way we practice what we believe. We've come from a world full of clutter. Our hearts, even now, are anxious. 
So we invite you to calm us so that we might hear a word from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, thought about sharing this and uh, had decided not to, but now that I'm here, I've changed my mind. Uh, yesterday, I was on my way to Mandai, and I was following a Jeep. Now, the reason I wasn't going to share this, because it sounds like I didn't start preparing this message until yesterday. Yeah. So, I was following this Jeep, which really lit up my heart, because... Um, since I was very young, Jeep was my vehicle. I just longed to have a Jeep. And so here is this guy in Singapore driving a Jeep, and it was all blinged out. Is that a... That's the word below my age. So it was all fixed up to look really cool to an old guy who always wanted to have a Jeep. It had oversized tires he had all the man toys that men loved to have. He had an ocean kayak on top of his Jeep. He had scuba equipment inside. I was following him a little too closely just so I could see all the stuff he had that I don't have and, and so that he could bask in the glow of my admiration for him. He had, he had a sticker that said, Old Trafford, been there, done that. Seriously. You know, he had football kit, he had scuba kit. He, this guy had everything in his Jeep. And, and then I saw something on the back of his Jeep that changed my, my admiration for him just to, you know, complete sadness. Because he had one of those little signs. You know, it looks like a traffic sign. You know, sometimes it'll say, caution children on board. You know, you know it's, it's shaped like a yield or a merge sign. It's, it's stuck to the back with a little suction cup. He had one of those little traffic signs, and his sign said, alone again. No wonder he's got all that stuff, because he's alone again. Nobody to share life with. And, and I will say this, I, I kind of knew what I was going to do and what I was going to be. But, but when I met Sherry, I really knew. I, I mean, this, God uses relationships to set us on a course that, that gives us meaning in life. And I, it, I don't know what you think about Rick Warren, but I feel like he really hit a chord, a human chord, when in 2002 he wrote this little book called The Purpose Driven Life. This book has sold over 40-40 million copies. And, and essentially, just ask one basic question. What on earth am I here for? What, why do I exist? What gives me meaning? It, it, it has really transformed the way many people, at least, you know, let's say 40 or less million people on this planet, began to ask that question. What am I here for? And, and I think probably all of us, if we live long enough, will meet somebody that's kind of obvious. They're really not sure. They, they really don't know why they exist, right? They're, they're the guy who can't really hold down a job because nothing really grabs his interest. Or, or, or maybe you, you've known somebody who's just made an unproductive decision. 
The kind of decision that would make a parent ask that unproductive question, what were you thinking? You know, sometimes you will meet people who just seem to be addicted to unproductive decisions because they don't know what they've been made for. They have no idea, why in the world am I here? And actually, I think that question is not that helpful because you are here. Maybe a better question would be, you know, since we are here, what should we be doing? This is a question that is addressed by the prophet Isaiah in this series of songs called the Servant Song. And before we jump into this scripture, let me just give a little bit of background on these four servant songs. Each song speaks of the coming of a servant. And, and the confusing thing is, sometimes it sounds like he's talking about everybody, the people of Israel, and sometimes it sounds like he's talking about an individual. We'll see that this morning. Each song talks about a servant, but who is that servant? It, it, it follows a progression. Each of the songs, it talks about the calling of the servant, talks about his activity, it talks about his rejection, and it talks about his ultimate vindication. But the unusual thing about these songs is just, just think about this, because this is a prophet who wrote these songs 800 years before Jesus was born, 800 years before the first Christmas. And, and, and yet, he speaks about a coming event as if it's past already. And that should suggest the absolute confidence of this prophet Isaiah. He was so certain that in the economy of God, anything he spoke of had already been settled. I long for that kind of faith. I long to be able to read scripture and say, I'm so sure of that, that I'm not going to be anxious about that. And stop waking up in the middle of the night being anxious about stuff that has never happened. You understand that, right? But the stuff you're worrying about this morning, it hasn't even happened. But, but you're worrying about it. I wish I had the kind of faith of Isaiah to write down this servant coming as if it is a foregone conclusion in the economy of a sovereign God. Consider it done. Last week we heard Pastor Eugene preach or teach on Isaiah chapter 42, and we saw that Jesus was the servant king who brought justice and light to the nations. This week, we're going to see that Jesus is the servant king who brings hope for distant nations. This should cause us to celebrate, because at the writing of this servant song, all of our ancestors were way distant, every one of us. Unless there is someone here who comes from Jewish roots, right? right? We, we all come from distant nations. All of us, all of our ancestors were afar off when the prophet wrote these words. Let's first, and by, by the way, if you're the kind of person who really wishes I would have an outline, here it is. The servant comes to reflect God's glory. He comes to gather distant nations, and he comes to be our covenant. You'll, you'll see them in just a bit. Here's verse 1. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples, from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. 
from the body of my mother, he named my name. There are many ways that your God is different than the gods of the nations. The first way is he is a God who speaks. He comes calling. And this is a hint. His calling references why we exist. He is a God who speaks. He is a God who comes calling. And more than that, he knows his purpose for each of us before we're even breathing oxygen. While you were still in your mother's womb, God had a purpose for you and was preparing to call you in a way that you could respond. That is the kind of God you serve. He comes calling. But notice, he's doing something unusual. The first part would not have been unusual for the people of Israel. They would have known theirs is a God who speaks. Theirs is a God who calls. But the unusual thing is he is not calling right now to them. They didn't live on the coastland. It was the Phoenicians who lived on the coastland. The Phoenicians were hated. They had their own gods. And suddenly this God, the God of Israel, the God of Jacob and Isaac, the God of Abraham was calling to the coastlands. It, it was a shocking, unusual event. The God of Israel spoke to Israel, not to distant peoples. When the God of Israel spoke of the distant peoples, the people of Israel were used to fire and brimstone, not hope. It would have been extraordinarily unusual. They assumed their God had nothing but judgment for all the other peoples. It's kind of insinuated in verse 2. You know, he's made our mouths like a sharp sword. We just assume that God has empowered us like a sword to eviscerate our enemies. And, and that's why all our prayers are, God, please protect me. Keep me beneath the shadow of your hand. You know, hide me. I'm a sharp, polished arrow. Hide me in the quiver of your protection. That, that's, that's not the end goal of arrows, by the way. But, but that seems to be the constant prayer even of God's people today. Oh, God, protect me. God, protect my children from the evils of the world. B because we assume God is for us and therefore not for anybody else. God, protect us. My, my fear is, GBC, we, we have become the same way, even in our language. How many of you call this the sanctuary? So we are the result, even our language is a result of a hundred years, more than a thousand years of God's people running for protection. Be because we have adopted the concept of the Israelites, that God loves us, let's gather here and celebrate the rest of the people, oh, we've got missionaries for them. The people of Israel had suffered from mission drift. You know what mission is? Mission is, you know, something that we exist to do. And, and when you've had a mission for a long time, you sometimes lose focus. And before you know it, you're drifting in another direction. The mission of the church is not to be protected. That's not God's design for us. 
And so he must remind his people, you have a purpose. Look at verse 3. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now, here's what you could do right now. You could put your name right there instead of Israel. He said to me, you are my servant, Ian, in whom I will be glorified. This is grace, that he would be glorified, that he would choose to be glorified in the people of Israel. God reminded them in Deuteronomy, it's not that you were the greatest of all nations, you were the least of all nations, but God chose to be glorified in the least of all nations. God chose to be glorified in the least of all people. It's not because we're so awesome. The, the people of Israel have began to pray, Oh God, return Israel's glory. The disciples would ask Jesus, Lord, is it at this time that God would restore his people Israel to our former, what, glory? You see, we were called to be stewards of the glory of God. That word in Hebrew literally means shine. And often translations will translate this, in whom I will be beautified. My beauty will be reflected in you. This word is often translated beauty, but the word literally means to shine. So, so that means the object of this sermon is not to impress you with my ability. The object is to let God be glorified. The object of Monday for you is not that you would excel in your job and your boss would notice how competent you are. The object of this Monday is that God would be glorified. But you see, see if you're going to boast, don't boast in your resume. Boast like the moon. This, by the way, is the moon. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that none of you are saying, well, that's, that's beautiful. I think I'll build my retirement bungalow right there. You, you see, see, the moon cannot boast except in the sun. The, the moon is nothing but a cratered ball of rock and dust. Nobody would say that is beautiful. But when, when the moon positions itself so that the sun's rays reflect on it, the moon is beautiful. Not because of its own light. It's a steward of the light of the sun. And, and this is going to be a theme for us. You know what the moon has to do to look glorious? Just abide. Just exist. And that's why Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you. You see, there is a connection. We're, we're not called to be busier, GBC. We're called to be more faithful, to hang in there. And, and that means even in the middle of the night, the moon gives evidence that the sun is. It exists. You can't see it because it went down, but we can see the light 
reflected in the moon. That is what God calls his servants to be. Be a steward of his glory. It's not our own glory. It's his glory. Just stay, remain, and so prove that he is. Second, the servant comes to gather distant nations. Look at verse 5. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant. You see, the calling suggests the purpose. To bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. Did you notice there's a sudden significant shift? Because in verses 1 through 3, he's he's actually talking about his servant Israel. And now he's talking about a servant singular, whose job is to bring back his former servant. 800 years before Christ was born, God was planning for his arrival. And this song sings his purpose and Israel's purpose and our purpose. It was his choice that his beauty be born and reflected by his servant. It's, by the way, the third commandment. Do not bear the name of God for nothing. That's what in vain means. We are called to this, to bear the glory of the name, to be stewards of it. But according to Isaiah 42, verses 19 through 20, God came calling, but his servant Israel was not listening. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf is my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as a servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open but he does not hear them. The nation was called to be a beauty bearer. They were called to be stewards of the glory of God, but they had fallen short of his glory. Do you see that connection between Romans 3.23 and this passage? That that is sin. When, When Ian makes his own choices, He falls short of God's ambition for him to be a steward of his glory. I fall before I get there. And so God had to call another servant whose name was God shall save his people, Yeshua, Jesus, to bear his glory from cradle to cross because we had fallen short. They had forgotten that Genesis 12 was actually God's response to Genesis 11. Remember, Genesis 11 is a story of the Tower of Babel when men began to get ambition for glory. And they said, let's build for ourselves a tower that stretches up to the heavens. Let us, quote, make a name for ourselves. And so the nations were divided. And God's response 
is chapter 12 when he goes to one individual man and calls him by name and says, I will bless you and make you a great nation so that why? You can be a great nation? No, so that you will be a blessing, so that you will bear the glory of the Lord, let it shine upon the nations. That is why he called this one man Abram. That is why he called this one man Ian. That is why he calls each of us. So his glory will be seen among the nations. And then in verse 6, he confirms it. It's too easy for me that Christ should be my servant to raise the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you my servant as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This was God's ambition from the very beginning. Not that Israel alone should be his people, but that every nation, every tongue and tribe would cry out, praise be to the God of glory. That is why we exist, GBC. So the nations of Singapore, who call Singapore home, so that all of the nations of the world from this place would experience a church that is faithfully stewarding the glory of God. Third, the servant is called and so comes to be our covenant. Look at verse 8. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor I have answered you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. Notice he did not say I will write out a new covenant. He didn't say, okay, here's a piece of parchment. Write out the New Testament. He said, you will be my covenant. From tablets of stone to a heart of flesh, from the mountain of Sinai to the, to the hill of Calvary, from carved stone to written in blood, you will be a covenant the nations. That means this good news. The servant is good news for orphans. I don't know if you're an orphan or if you feel like an orphan, but there is good news for you because he says, I will establish the land. If you had land, that means you had an inheritance. God is saying, I will mark off land for these nations. I will give them a new inheritance. I will apportion the desolate heritages, the heritages that were torn up by war and tragedy and death and disease. The God of glory will provide an inheritance for the nations. It's good news for those who felt alienated. Listen to verse 9. He says, saying to the prisoners, come out. You know how many prisoners you saw this week? None. Because they make us uncomfortable. We put them where the sun doesn't often shine. It's inconvenient even to look at them. But, but here's what Christ does when he comes. He declares to those who have been alienated and marginalized, come out. Those who have been imprisoned, 
Those who live in darkness come out and walk in the glory of Christ's light. And then it's also good news for the dying. In verses 9 and 10, he says, They shall feed along the ways, on all the bare heights shall all, excuse me, shall be their pastures. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun will strike them, for he has pity on them and will lead them by springs of water and will guide them. Everything we need for life is in that verse. The God of glory will provide for the dying rivers of water. A good shepherd to guide us to green pastures where food is at easy access. And the servant is the way for nations. Not he will show them the way. He is the way for nations. Verse 11 and 12 says, And I will make all the mountains a road, and highways will be raised up, providing direct access to the King of glory. That's why Jesus in the New Testament said, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. The truth is not a concept. The way is not a direction. The truth is a person. The way is a person. The life is a person. And that's why God said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Choose life. I am your life. I am your life. Choose life. Christ came that we might have what? Life. And have it more abundantly. But I've got to deal with this um, awkward verse. Right in the middle of this glorious victorious passage. There is verse 4. But I, the servant, have you ever felt like this? I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength on nothing and vanity. You know, Pastor, I've worked so hard to grow my CG, but people just aren't coming. I just feel like I've poured my energies into this and, and nothing. I mean, I mean, look at this. We built this building and all those people said they'd come back after the building was built. Pastor, they just didn't come. Do, do we build in vain? Um, the Lord has an answer for the servant that's broken. For the servant that is discouraged. He says, yet, surely, my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. That word right means the verdict is with God. You know what it is that makes you feel responsible for results? It is mission drift. You know what it is that makes us want to count numbers so that we can check to see if we're growing or not. It's an idol. God didn't call his servant to success. He called his servant to faithfulness. 
the verdict belongs to the Lord, and it will not be successful or not successful. It will not be big numbers or not big numbers. It will be faithful or not. Did the moon just hang in there? Did the moon position itself so that the rays of the sun would be reflected on its rock, dusty, cratered surface? Yes or no? My recompense, meaning my reward, will be in that question. So let me ask you, is it easier to hang in there or to be a rock star Bible study leader? Is it easier to choose faithfulness or find success? Come unto me, Jesus said. All you who are burdened and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Because all he asks you to do is stay there. Walk with him. Be a steward for his glory. Before the Baptist hymnal, I noticed there are some old Baptist hymnals in your pews, and there's a few new Baptist hymnals in your pews. Before either Baptist hymnal, there was the Broadman hymnal. I'm guessing no one here remembers the Broadman hymnal. Maybe Mrs. P does. But my mom used to sing from the Broadman hymnal. And if you haven't heard of the Broadman hymnal, you sure probably haven't heard of hymn number 317 in the Broadman hymnal. And I want to say it's a shame. Because I heard my mom singing it all the time. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. You hear that? Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. It wasn't, oh Lord, make me beautiful. Make me awesome. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refine until the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I wonder if you would be willing to pray that prayer today. Just lay down the burden of needing to be successful or, or needing to be awesome. Just Lay that burden down. I mean, just, just let it go. And, and just pray this, you know, simple prayer. Oh, Lord, King of glory, clean me up and, and let me be a steward of your goodness. Not that I want to be awesome, but let me reflect your awesome. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in your church. All your wondrous compassion and purity, let it be seen Spirit, come and refine us completely till the beauty of Jesus can be seen in us. Will you bow with me for just a moment? As we prepare to come to the table, 
to have sweet communion with our Lord. The servant who came to be our covenant. We don't judge at this church. So if you consider yourself to be an authentic follower of Christ, whether you're a perfect follower, an imperfect follower, a trying-to-be follower, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Christ, we invite you to participate. But here's what the Apostle Paul encouraged the church to do. Examine yourself. Make sure that you're not coming with a heart full of idols. Make sure that everything you know to do to steward the goodness and beauty of Christ, you would do. So as we bow before the God of glory, who sends his servants to steward his beauty. I want to invite you, just take a moment and do some business with him. Is, is there someone you need to go to as soon as you leave this place and say, uh, you know, I just want to ask you to forgive me. Is, is there someone in your life that you've been far too slow to show grace to? To demonstrate the affection of Christ who forgave without permission. Father God, we Come confessing that we have fallen short of your glory. We, we confess that we have failed to steward well because we believe the, the lies that it was about us and that, that we should be better people and that we would somehow win more affection for our faith if we were better, if we were more awesome, forgive us, O oh God, of that idol. Give us the courage to lay it down, to, to clear out our altar. Lord Jesus, come and sit down on the throne that we might be a people who could reflect your beauty. We ask you to do this not because we want to be awesome, but be, because we want your name to be awesome. We invite you to move. Have your way with these, your servants. Break us, mold us, shape us according to your pleasure, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask my brother Sam to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the bread. Let's pray.
Abba, we thank You for sending us Jesus. We thank You for His body that was beaten and broken for us so that we who put our faith in Him can be part of His body. We thank You for this and pray that in what ways that we have not been worthy of being part of Your body, You will forgive us and You will give us confidence of Your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
he was betrayed, Jesus looked around at this small group of imperfect disciples. One who was moments away from betraying him. Another who was a few hours away from denying that he even knew him. And yet this servant of the Lord and King of glory took bread. And after he had broken it, he gave thanks and said, This is my body, which is for you. Take this whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. invite our brother and elder Kim Hang to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the cup. Our dear Father God, we come to this table with thankfulness and gratefulness for the hope that you have given us through Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. your son. We all have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that we can do to remove even a dot of it from our lives. And Lord, we are hopeless except for Christ who has come to suffer the scorn, to bear the stripes, and to die on the cross for us, that his blood may flow to cleanse us from our sins and all unrighteousness. And Father God, we can stand before you because of what Christ has done, sinless, righteous, and as we come together to drink this cup, a symbol of Christ's blood that has flowed for us, we come in thanks and praise. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, This cup represents the new covenant written in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you so very much for being in our service this morning. Our ushers will come forward. If you just pass your cups to the side, they will pick them up. Let me just uh, remind you that this morning we will have our last baptism class of 2017. So if you're praying about this step of obedience, you're welcome to come, whether you're or not you're committed to being baptized on the 24th. Scripture reminds us that after they celebrated the Last Supper together, the disciples sang a hymn together. So as our worship team comes forward and we can confirm there's no baby yet, <laughs> let's sing this closing song and then we'll be dismissed. Let us rise as we give praise and glory to God. May the peoples praise you. Holy privilege to do your prayer.
standing as we end today's service with the words from Isaiah chapter 49 verse 13. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on His afflicted. Gracious God, may we come away from today with a renewed vision of the glory of our Redeemer. And may we be ready to be your servants in whom the beauty of Christ shines. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The service is now over. And-